そう。Such a vibe. That's a good vibe.
I, I can't rock a turtleneck. It just, it feels weird when my like beard is like rubbing on it. So it just, mm. you know, not for me. Um, but I feel like when you hit adulthood, you just, uh, you, you wear whatever feels comfortable and you save through it to everything else, you know? There's yeah. no wrong way. Tie-dye, always awesome. If you rock with tie-dye, who cares, if, you know, what age you're at? Just wear what makes you feel comfortable and what makes you feel good in your body, in yourself. I would have to 100% agree with that, but I definitely have had some girlfriends that don't agree with that because... <laughs> My my style has not changed significantly since 1995. Um, I might still even have some shirts from that time that, you know, I don't wear frequently, but like, you know, sometimes they pop up in rotation. And uh, I've definitely had mm-hmm. a, a few girlfriends be like, um, grow the fuck up. Like, you know, you're an old man wearing like skate shoes and like, you know, skate t-shirts. And I'm like, whatever, fuck you, it's comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate when people have style and can switch it up, but I also feel like, you know, there's that element of like, oh, okay, you kind of rock the, like, sandals and shirts, and then there's, like, a fancy occasion, and you, like, totally, you know, switch up your look and do it up, and people are like, whoa, you know? I feel like <laughs> that's kind of how I've been, because I'm not an, a morning person, and I hate getting up early and working in a school i'm a counselor by day uh i i don't wear makeup a lot to work uh so when when i do people are like whoa i'm like i just you know if if if, if my day started at like 2 p.m it, it would be a whole different thing so there's also the element, element of surprise yeah it's good to have the element of surprise um but we, we forgot to do your introduction for some people that may not oh, be familiar okay. with you there. So if you want to take a moment just to, like, say hi to everyone and like just, like, you know, say, like, yeah, who you are and whatnot. Oh, and someone wants uh, to see your earrings. Hi. Oh, someone <laughs> wants to see my earrings. I'm wearing some little Monstera leaves. Because uh, oh, they cool. kind of go with the blue. I'm really a nerd. I, I literally wore a Polaroid shirt to talk about Polaroids on a Polaroid slash photography <laughs> podcast. That's just and, you know, that. committing to the bit, always. Um, okay, so my name is Casey. Uh, I live in Chicago. I am a social worker counselor by day and a uh, passion photographer, you know, analog, analog hobbyist, what have you, uh, the rest of the time. Uh, I mostly work with Polaroid film. It's my favorite. And... Uh, I've been shooting film for about three years, and uh, I just, yeah, I love it. I love old things, and I feel like analog is, uh, photography is, is kind of just an extension of that. That's fair. I I like old things, too. Um, the thing, though, for me, old things just seem familiar and not old to me because I just kind of grew up with them. Um, but how did you get into photography? Um, so I think the interest has been there for a while. I've always been an appreciator of art, you know. Um, anytime I'm traveling somewhere, you know, my big three are like, all right, where's the ice cream place? Uh, where's the prettiest natural park? And 
where are, you know, the art exhibits, art museums. So I think I've always been, you know, at least a casual appreciator uh, of photography. I, I don't have an art school background per se. So uh, I took a photography class, although it was more like digital photography in college. Um, but I just remember just the practice of, it was in London at the time and, and going on long solo walks, which has always been a thing I've enjoyed to clear my head and kind of refocus the day and to use kind of the power of observation to, you know, make any walk. Like even, you know, I was there in the winter time. So like the weather was usually like cold and gross, Mm -hmm. but if you look at your surroundings in a particular way, it's like anything can be interesting. And I like having a camera as an extension of that. Um, and I was—I wish I had gotten into Polaroid earlier. Uh, I don't know if there was a particular spark to it, but I remember seeing some Polaroid cameras in a Target when I was visiting home, and I was like, this would be fun. You know, you are a collector of many random things, and something about the process of watching a Polaroid uh, develop uh, is, is magical. I remember there's a, there's a guy that... Uh, I, I, I feel bad that I don't know his name, but he, at least before the pandemic, used to go around to, like, the Chicago bars uh, and would shoot, uh, I think it was Insect Wide, okay. uh, pictures, like, at bars and stuff, just to, uh, you know, to catch people out and about. And I thought, this, that's so cool to, you know, he's observing, you know, the different night scenes and interacting with people, and if they want to get their picture taken, they can get their picture taken, and... I, I know I have one buried in an album somewhere from my earlier years in the city. I've been here about eight years. Um, and so I, I thought, you know, let me try it. And then three months later, we were in total lockdown. And, you know, I was working remotely for almost two years, um, which is definitely weird in a school setting. And, uh, you know, to not <laughs> just drive myself you know, off the wall, I, I went on a lot of walks, and my uh, Polaroid camera was my companion in those kind of solo walks, and I, I just kind of became addicted to it, and I think I also hoped that uh, photography would bring a sense of community. I've, I've dabbled in a lot of things. I've done, like, ceramics, I've done guitar, improv. It's not great at improv. <laughs> um, uh, I've done bouldering, uh, knitting. I still knit, uh, scrapbooking. Like you name it, I pretty much like tried it. And I think the goal was always like to meet people and you know build a community away from home because I don't have any family here. Uh, so it was always like. You know, my friends kind of have to be my support network. And I think even in the, you know, time that I've been doing this, I've had a, a, the privilege of meeting a lot of awesome uh, analog film folks here in Chicago, uh, on the West Coast, in New York, kind of like in, in the course of my travels. It's just been really amazing. And that kind of just feeds the desire to learn more, create more, I have a lot to learn um, still, but it's it's really the hobby that's kind of flicked all the 
all the, you know, all the things. <laughs> so the Polaroid thing is, is relatively new then for you? It's relatively new. Yeah. I've only had my Instagram, uh, like a year and a half, maybe. Oh, cool. I think. So it's relatively new. Um, and, but I've taken so many pictures within that time. My process of growing has been YouTube, Clubhouse, <laughs> in the, you know, pandemic era, Clubhouse, and uh, trial and error and going through, like, a stupid amount, a stupid amount of uh, Polaroid film. Like, in the, in the thousands, I think. I, I really hope like, that you've, some, like, some wild number. I, I really hope that you've, like, signed up for reward points and you're buying it straight from the website so that you can take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do uh, buy a lot of my film um, from Polaroid's website directly. Uh, I also use my local camera store and uh, Target as well in a pinch, you know, like mm-hmm. if I need something kind of day of there, you know, there's a lot of targets everywhere. So it's like, I can always get something if I need it. Yeah. It, you guys have a lot more access to it down in the States than, than we do up here in Canada. Um, but in either place, um, getting it right from like the Polaroid website has like a huge value to it. Um, Cause if you're buying like large volume, um, the reward points are pretty decent because, like, I think it's every, like, 20000 they give you, like, 20 bucks or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It, like, helps with, like, taxes or shipping or, like, whatever. And then you also know you're getting, like, the freshest shit because, like, you know, who knows how long that stuff's been sitting at Target. And, you know. <laughs> That's true, and I know they, I'm sure they don't, it, their film never sees a fridge ever. Um no. Which isn't necessarily always a bad thing. I, I, I like the little lightning streaks and the little kind of spots of, of uh, sort of those like bleachy effects that will sometimes come up uh, on film. I, I, as of yet, have not had the self-discipline to hold on to film for more than a couple months at a time. I wish I were like uh, Jamie and could hold, could sit on pack for a year, two years beyond expiration. Um, that has not been the case thus far. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm like Jamie in, in a sense where it's like, I have like these special packs of Polaroid that have been in the fridge for a while. Some of them for a couple of years now. Um, that I'm like one day I'll shoot that or like for the right project or like the right thing. Um, but then I go through like a shit ton of eye type, um, especially since I got like the power ranger so that I can shoot the eye type in, uh, the 680 and, um, the, uh, the oh, SX70. Awesome. So yeah, it, it is awesome. Cause it helps like, you know, cut down my costs a bit. Cause like, you know, Polaroid gets really fucking expensive after a while. So you have to watch out for that. Uh, yeah, I I would just say don't don't approach it the way I have, um, <laughs> uh, which is impulsively and reactively rather than with some sense of you know uh, a budget or mindfulness of it. Um, I think I've used a lot of eye type too up until recently. So I started with um, a one step plus mm-hmm. and. 
uh, I've I've gone through two of those before they've broken. Uh, I haven't gotten a, another one yet, but um, wait, how did because, like, how process... did you break the one step plus? Because it's like a pretty robust little box. It is. Um, one was like a mechanical thing, like it wouldn't charge anymore, and the wheel was making this grinding sound that I couldn't figure out, and then I don't know what's happened with the second one, um, but it I, it just will, it's very hit or miss, like every, I, I just kept going through packs where it would get stuck in the rollers or something and i you know so i'm like you know this, this this is too precious to waste so um i've used uh my sx70 sonar more recently and if uh i i have actually thought a couple of packs of eye types in there uh like by taping a battery to the bottom of the pack um i'm like a little bit nervous to do that constantly because i don't want to like mess it up internally as had repairs done on it and no joke <laughs> but uh in a pinch i have done that and it it looks nice so well you can get the power ranger from retrospect now pretty easily so like that that's a um handy thing to look into if you want to shoot a bunch of eye type in your sx70 or slr680 i'm gonna look into this uh i that, that i i trust your judgment um Hello. Sorry, I'm like too nervous to look at the chat like constantly. <laughs> <laughs> but right. like I'm seeing familiar faces. I'm like, hello. <laughs> I like I'm like looking at my uh, camera. Otherwise, I'm just gonna like, you know, be get stressed about it or something. <laughs> <laughs> no stress about um, that. So I... yeah, I'll have to check that out on retrospect. Um, there's a lot of accessories, and and right going back to like the cost. Yeah. You know. Um, there's, I, I, I sometimes have to kind of like distance myself from the Discord servers because there, there's constantly like conversations about accessories and, uh, you know, different parts where I'm like, that would be cool, but that's way beyond what I can do right now. And I feel like I want to really be comfortable with the gear that I have currently and mm -hmm. know it in all conditions inside and out um before i get too many new things the most accessories i think i've bought for the polaroid specifically are like the like color filters okay. uh i've ordered some from like um you know polaroid shops in like hong kong and other places just because i like you know the starburst effect and the prism stuff i, I think you can make really cool experimental stuff that way yeah you absolutely can like the filters are a lot of fun to to play with for sure um so I, i'm curious because like i know that there's a pretty healthy like polaroid community in like the chicago land area there um mm -hmm. primarily out in elkin um have you had a chance to go out and meet some of the folks there that are like side street studios and in that like uh you know brian and um Oh, why am I spacing out on all the other names now? But I like Brian and Mary and um, Doug. Fuck. I'm losing track of all the other names. You mentioned Elgin, right? Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because I'm going to be there on Saturday. I submitted 
uh, a couple of Polaroids to uh, Pink Slip Zine, and they're doing a release party uh, oh, cool. on Saturday. So that's going to be my first time out there. So I'm, I'm hope- hopefully I'll get to connect with more of these folks. Um, Where's that opening going to be? Uh, uh, I, I, I could share the event uh, thing afterwards. I think uh, if Andalee still is in the chat, she can uh, <laughs> chime in because uh, we'll also be there. But um, I'll I'll follow up with you afterwards. I don't know off the top of my head, but I have the oh. flyer saved in my saved Instagram. So yeah, there's there's so many great folks out there that shoot a ton of Polaroid, and uh, you know my my Polaroid brother from another mother lives out there, um, Brian um, Giesbrecht. He's like Theory of a Brian on um, the Instagrams, and uh, I'm almost positive I follow them. Um, if I've gone to a couple of local meetups here, uh, so it's possible I've met them. Uh, my memory's not always the greatest, but I, you know, I it, also it's kind of a, a relatively new thing for me, you know, to be doing. Polaroid meetups, they've really been within the past year, year and a half, if, if, if that, with COVID and whatnot. But um, everyone, almost everyone I've met has just been amazing. And I hope to connect with more folks as I, you know, am out shooting in different seasons and traveling to other places, you know. Is it yeah, shout out Chi- to Polaroids of Chicago and to Quarantine Polaroid Journal, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Alex. They are both uh, really, really awesome folks doing great Polaroid work. That's awesome. Well, I, I hope you have lots of fun out in Elgin. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it there a lot. Uh, Side Street Studios is a really cool uh, spot there that has a lot of different creatives and photographers there. Um, so it's like, if you get a chance to go check it out, like before your event, um, it's definitely worth stopping by and taking a look at, at their, uh, space there. You're just building my itinerary for the weekend. Thank you. <laughs> well, and, and if you want to know like food stuff and things like that beforehand, um, you should, if you're not already following Brian, you should give him a follow and send him a message being like, yo, I'm going to be in your city. Like what, what places are there to hit up? Cause like. Ryan knows all, all of the good spots. And it looks like that's Heck where... Yeah, the, I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. Thank you. It looks like that's where the party is going to be at, so you're already going to be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. That's cool. Um, it's what, the first time my stuff's ever been in a publication, which is, I mean, most of my uh, Polaroids are, sit in a stack of six or seven boxes by my desk here. And if they're not on my website or my Instagram, I'm the only one who sees them. So it's kind of surreal to have other people, uh, you know, holding, you know, a, a printed version of a picture that I took in their hands. Like, I, I, I'm never going to know. I hope I never get to a place where I don't think that's really cool. I, I think it'll always feel cool. And you know, if you get to a point where you're not, then like you're pretty jaded and maybe it's time to find a, a new hobby. But um, there's always something really cool about seeing your stuff being printed or like, you know, hung up or in a publication. So that's really exciting. I'm stoked for you. 
Thank you. Hopefully the first of many, I think that's kind of one of my self goals is just to put myself out there more. You know, I think one of the reasons why being on this podcast uh, and just, you know, being a part of it is like, you know, you hear a lot of people being interviewed, like when they've already been really established or they had a lot of years in an industry and that's great. And there's a lot to learn from that. I know I've tuned into a lot of great episodes, YouTube channels, you know, all that stuff and would plug that and, and do plug that a bunch. But I think there's also something to be said to hear from the point of view of uh, someone who is earlier on in their journey. And, you know, it's, it's because these hierarchies that we kind of create, and I think social media sometimes reinforces are kind of an illusion to, to some extent. I mean, that's not negating like, you know, as you build a portfolio, you're, you're, you know, depending on the type of work you're doing, you, you know, gain followers, you're making money off of what you're doing, all these things. But I, I think there's also something to be said, even if you're not a professional photographer, that you still are an artist and you still have, um, you know, something important to share with whatever community you choose to share it with. That's totally true. It, it's nice to get like a fresh take on things and uh it's easy for like people that are already involved in it to like get jaded or like have you know egos of some sort and, and whatnot um i'm kind of curious as like a newcomer into like the photographic communities um you know what has what has your observation been of like the the like online social media communities and like you know perhaps some of the local like in-person communities you've been able to get involved with um, I think locally it's, it's really awesome. Like I said, I mean, the, the folks that I've met here and I, I feel like I've been in New York a few times in the past two years and I've met some, some great folks there. Um, I, I, I really feel like I should give Bob Greco a shout out, uh, picture man, Bob. Um, he has not only connected me with a lot of really awesome people everywhere from like Seattle to Texas to New York, um, but, you know, has shared a lot of time um, and encouragement, uh, you know, so shout out to Bob. I don't know if he's here right now, but he's, he's great, and uh, Bob, Bob deserves all the things, and I, I hope that he, you know, in, in, in whatever way that, you know, he can get, like, dig or, like, go viral, you know, like... <laughs> do his own like whatever projects he's working on like you know he's in the concert photography space uh doing great things works for photodom nyc um that's an amazing uh new york uh camera uh store slash community I, i've had the privilege of doing a photo walk with them um a few months back just really great people that's awesome yeah i remember picture man bob from um my sort of brief time with Clubhouse when we were all stuck at home and didn't have anywhere to go. Um, was checking that out a lot, but um, I, it, it kind of petered out a bit for me because it, it does command a lot of time to spend on there. And then I kind of like, I like the smaller channels where there's like a handful of people where there's like, um, 
an, like interesting, good, like organic and educational conversation happening. But I also did mm-hmm. notice that there were a lot of rooms that, you know, for lack of a better term, were full of douchebaggery where you had like yes. this panel of like experts that were telling you like, you know, you need to do it this way to like, you know, be a real photographer. And I'm like, who the fuck are you people? And like, you know, th- these are the kind yeah. of people that I find annoying because they're like gatekeepers and um, they could really sort of like diminish someone's interest in actually wanting to pursue photography because like, you know, some fucking asshat with like a razor fade and, you know, like a whatever <laughs> is telling them that they yeah. like take shit pictures and um, it's like, well, your pictures aren't that good either, man. So like, what the fuck? I have, uh, I have interacted with these people. I, I'm not gonna, of course, like, you know, drag any individual person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been in those spaces on Clubhouse and Discord, and also, um, occasionally have had those interactions too, like in person. And I, you know, it's like you get the vibe pretty quickly. It's like if you if people are there to kind of like flex their gear more than connect with other people. And I think that's like the more people that you have in a space, uh, there one, there was one photo walk that I went to in, in not the one that I mentioned from Photodom, but where it was like, it was really cool. And I met some people that I had talked to, but I think just like as a collective, the general like impression was like, this is a bunch of like bro dudes generally like, just showing off their, you know, thousand dollar like thing. And you, you kind of get a sense, like, like I would, I remember like introducing myself to some people and like being like, hi, like I'm Casey, like, you know, whatever. And trying to start a conversation. And, just kinda, and it was like, you just get a, you get a sense that like, they're really not, if you're not established or you're not like, you know, a model or some, or somebody with like a cool looking camera, it's like, they're not matching your energy. And I was like, all right on to the next person, you know? Like, I, I have no interest in, like, the sort of, like, fake, bullshitty, you know, stuff. <laughs> and I, you know, I I feel like I've been hesitant to go, I'm, if I'm, if we're keeping it really real here, Merlin, uh, I, you know, even some of the, like, uh, holocons, I've been skeptical uh, because, like, the recaps on Instagram are, like, white dude central and i'm just like <laughs> you know like if i you know god forbid i don't have my sx70 on me and i bring like you know my polaroid go which i don't sleep on the polaroid go it's really fun and it actually has yes okay i think you mentioned that on your look, last interview that we we're going to talk about that look at it's this awesome. face look at look at that face Adorable. Like, how how can you like how could you be mad at that face like i mean it looks kind of sad and like meh but it's like kind of like adorable in its own way. He's, it's kind of like you could put this on like the head of a robot and that would be like the perfect, like, could you imagine this with like a little body? And it's like, you know, it just like looks at it's like, you, you want a Polaroid? Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to like wander over here and like take your Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a Polaroid goat. No, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so also follow Big Top. Side note. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to plug you for a second. Uh, has an awesome uh, Twitch channel when uh, he's developing his film and uh, is taking great photos uh, in San Antonio. Uh, I've had uh, 
I've, I've been able to meet him speaking about like meeting the Polaroid community or well, he doesn't shoot Polaroid. He shoots um, like uh, 35 millimeter film, which I also shoot a little bit, but I don't put as much of that online yet. Cause I'm still trying to build my confidence there. Um, but yeah, follow his, his channel, his page really great. You know, yeah, his stuff. Is I, I can great. I can just spend my time plugging everybody in the chat, honestly. But I, I won't, you know. We can, except for that slouch so guy, he's a total <laughs> dick. Don't plug him. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that that's my best friend, and like you know, he he does deserve a plug. But the Alpha thing was funny because like he has a pair of Alpha Sevens that he's like fully decked out, um, with like all of the all of the accessories. Um, but I I get your thing, like so those guys you're talking about, I call them brotographers and, um, I don't like going to like, yeah, brotographer shit and like photo broing about stuff. Cause like, I don't know. I don't really give a shit about gear and, um, it, it doesn't make you any better of a photographer. Like, you know, you could spend no. tens of thousands of dollars and still take shit pictures or you could go buy like a disposable camera and make some really like fucking fire shit. Um, it's like, can you see, can you like, can you see images like, you know, cause there, there is like sort of, I don't know if it's like a, a skill or like something like that where, um, you know, people can see something that others can't. And, uh, that's like a really important thing. And you, you can't pay any money to find that. Like, it's just either you adopt that skill like I, I know there's like a lot of skateboarders turned photographers that like have mm. sort of honed that skill of like looking for a skate spot and like you know transferring that over to like seeing a really cool photo um so yeah bros no but community good um the policons community though, good yes so it, it, you, there's a lot of ways to support other people um you know like I feel like it's a green flag. If, are you sharing other people's posts that aren't yours? You know, are you, you know, showing up for people in your community, like when they're doing releases or, you know, tabling somewhere, um, you know, it's a, or like leaving comments in on people's photos, you know, it's like, I don't care if you have 20,000 followers, like you're looking at your comments and if people are saying nice things, like it's going to stand out. You know, um, I think about, uh, I've never met her, but, um, her handle is, uh, crowflies, uh, goes by Barbara. Yeah. Barbara, she's uh, great. I love her. And I, like, I swear every time I felt like shit about my own work, she'll come in and like, just write the sweetest messages and comments. And like, you know, tr I think I, I was having a conversation with her once about like, oh, I, I'm working on looking through my galleries today, like talking about people's Instagram uh, galleries. And I just, I think that's such a cool way to think about uh, Instagram as like a platform and just engaging with other artists' work. And I, I'm sure, I mean, I, she's kind of mysterious. It, 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 you know, doesn't put as much out as far as like her, you know, um, life. But I mean, I, I just know, I just feel it in my gut that she's lived a hell of a life and is probably accomplished in ways that I don't even realize and still takes the time to, like, shout out people with small followings. Not, I don't think followings mean shit, by the way, but you no, know what I don't. mean? Like, people who, who aren't shared 
typically, and I just, I think that's fucking rad. And I really respect when people um, have that sense of like trying to hype each other up and not like always talk about yourself. Well, and, and so it, like that's an interesting point you bring up uh, with that too, because I like what you've talked about there because like everything that you've referenced about Instagram had nothing to do about like actually using Instagram for like posting stuff, but like using Instagram as like a connection tool. And yeah. I have to like fully admit that I'm like, I'm fucking tired of hearing everyone be like, Instagram's dead. I'm going to Vero or I'm going to Granary or like I'm going back to Flickr. Cause like Instagram doesn't give a shit about photographers or doesn't give a shit. About, like Instagram's never given a shit about photographers ever. Not from the beginning. It was never about mm-hmm. having a place where, like, photographers could share their work and, like, you know, whatever. It's always been a platform for people to connect. And they have not taken that part yeah. away from it yet. Like, at, at, its, at its core, it still connects people. Like, we're talking right now through Instagram. And so I yeah. think, like, reframing it that way where it's, like, a lot of people have, like, transpose their expectations of what they think Instagram should be because they're like, well, this is what I use it for and this is what I want it to be. And it's like, it's never going to be that because, well, you didn't, yeah. build, you didn't build it. Um, but it's never stopped being a platform for communities. And so that's why I haven't stopped believing in Instagram. And I'm like super tired of like seeing all like the clickbait things on like fucking YouTube where it's like Instagram's over. It's like, it's, it's not fucking dead. Because people are still sharing on it begrudgingly. People are still connecting through it because it's a great avenue of connection for like-minded people. And Absolutely. Like, even with the reels and, like, all that other shit, like, I don't care about it. If you hate reels, don't make them. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's that easy. Like, and it, there's also, like, a, a degree of, like, not giving a shit about the algorithm game. So, like, a few years ago, I really wanted to hit 10K and like I was obsessed with the idea of like, you know, getting to 10K and I was like so angry that my followers were not increasing. And I'm like, I don't know how, like I was like trying all the things to like get better engagement and I just like hated the whole experience of it. And I lost the feeling of what was important to me. Like what was important was the people Mm. being able to like talk with people, being able to like share with my friends and, have them share new stuff with me and come across just randomly like other people with interesting things, not only photographers, but like other creators mm-hmm. or like, you know, emo boy word shit, things like that. Cause I love shit posting that stuff in my stories. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that that's never gone away. It's, it's always been there the whole time. I think there's a difference between criticizing some aspects of Instagram that could be better. Um, I totally agree with everything that you're saying in terms of the community. You can still authentically engage with people all over the world, not even just the country. I mean, I had a lot of made a lot of great connections with photographers, you know, um, like all the way in like East Asia, um, you know, parts of Europe. It's like, it's really amazing. Um, but also, I mean, I think some of the stuff like the ads more than posts and um, I, I think there's also a conversation to be had about, you know, um, 
creators who have marginalized identities, like yeah. are there are their videos getting the same? I mean, it's kind of the same issue that gets brought up a lot on TikTok and, you know, other platforms, right? Um, you know, algorithms are built by people, mm-hmm. right? And so, and we live in a racist society. So like you have, we have to be critical consumers and critical engagers and, and, and understand that technology is not this like neutral zone when it oh, comes God, no. to, misogyny, racism, homophobia, transphobia, you know, the list goes on, right? So fatphobia, right? Like, you know, what what types of, uh, you know, content gets the boost and stuff like that. I think there is a valid conversation to be had. Um, but I also think that, you know, uh, while there are other alternatives that are, you know, developing, I know Granary is relatively new, um, Instagram is still a platform that a lot of people are using primarily. And, you know, at least for the moment that, that, that will probably continue to be the case. Yeah. And like, I, I checked out Gratery and it, it looks interesting. Like it's, it's neat. And I just, I was immediately turned off by it, by the requirement to list your gear before you could even post anything. And then the fact that, like, yeah. for every post you make, you have to, like, put your gear in. And it's like, yo, I don't want to, like, jerk off to, like, everyone's gear just to, like, look at a fucking <laughs> photo. Like, and half the time, like, I have such a shit memory. I can't, like, I just had, like, lunch, like, a couple hours ago. I remember it was awesome. I can't remember what I fucking ate. You know, I, I would yeah. have to look at, like, some <laughs> photos for it. So it's like, you know, me trying to, like, be like, okay, what camera did I take? that photo with I don't write that shit down like it is kind of no weird. I don't either and so like that that honestly triggered me a little bit because I was like this seems a little elitist and I I get where the idea is coming from from it but it's also kind of like a yeah I know that like the creator said it was to like weed out digital photography but like that's also like an, another kind of like whatever like yeah, that's saying that, like, film photographers are better than digital photographers. And, like, you know, I think everyone who's a creative is just as equal as everyone else. It doesn't matter what tools you use to make it. Like, one tool isn't going to make you better than the other person. Um, so I'm just not, like, a super fan of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I haven't I haven't given it enough time to yet yeah. or attention to really make a judgment. I mean, I, I think... Uh, well, I, I hardly ever remember, like, you know, for the, the 35 millimeter film that I've shot, like, I, when I'm looking through scans that I get back, like, I don't remember what film I used unless I'm looking at the negatives, yeah. and I'm rarely taking those notes. Um, <laughs> Lucas is great. I like the archiving, organizing. It's funny that you say that because, like, I mean, I can kind of show you. I, well, I won't show you my desk. It's very messy, right? But, like, I just have, like, piles. Okay, I'm just like unorganized Polaroids, just like chilling. That's even more organized. Some don't. That's even more organized Uh, than mine, though. Like, I have literal piles of Polaroids just sitting on my desk right now. And then, like, I have boxes of Polaroids at home that, like, I don't even remember what the fuck when I took them. I I try to, like, meta tag them (laughs) when I take them. So it's like I try and, like, write shit on the back of them so that like I can remember but like 
I even forget to do that stuff. Like, I'm really good when I give people Polaroids. I label that shit. But then when it's, like, for me, I'm like, oh, I'll remember. And then I don't. And I should know by now that I will never remember. <clears throat> but it's, like... It's so true. Um, yeah. All my old Polaroids, I know the difference when I'm looking through my boxes because the blank ones are, are my earliest stuff. Within the past year, I've, I've been, like, it's, like... I'm such a nerd. Like, I'll be at a bar with friends, and I pick some Polaroids, and I'm like, all right, I got to, like, take out my little Sharpie and, like, <laughs> right? Like, okay, like, this is the date. This is where we are. And people are like, what are you doing? Like, we're still out here, like, having fun. And I'm like, no, I I, I, I swear to you, if, I, it, if it doesn't get done right this second, it's going to go in one of these mammoth files, and I'm going to forget when I took it. I even will get more specific and, like, write the – the expiration or the production date of the film, which I, oh. I don't, I think in my imagination, I'm like, Oh, like if I'm, you know, submitting to stuff one day, it'll be like, Oh, like, was it, if the film changes over time, like, Oh, it was like this batch or this batch, but it's, it's, I haven't actually like used it yet, but <laughs> you know, the Virgo rising in me is like, this will be important one day. It's like, yeah, it's, it's interesting to try and like organize that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm terrible with that, except when I give them. To I don't people. even know. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, I don't even know. Like, speaking of granary and stuff, like, I when I because I think for the most part, uh, I think I posted one or two pictures from a Holga, uh, but most of them are Polaroid. And it's like, I don't even know what like the lens on my camera is, and I use the film. And I and I I hesitate to say that, right? Because I don't hesitate because like, I don't know the lens either. I'm like, it's a fucking SLR six eighty. I don't. Like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like I know, you know, I I I use the camera a lot, but I'm not great with tech spec stuff. And I think so. Uh, I'm part of a you know uh, a group of women who uh, and and Andalive is is one of one of them that like uh, we've gotten together and as as women in Chicago and done photo walks together and we just the 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 tech bro stuff is almost completely absent from our conversations because it really if it's not something that's really critical to like the project that we're trying to do or the effect that we're achieving it a lot of it is just you know. <laughs> Like kind of like you were saying before, like this this one upping this I'm feeling insecure in this space or socially awkward, and so I'm going to kind of like hide not hide behind yeah I mean I guess hide behind your gear to some extent, and I I'm not trying to like you know talk shit on other people right like I'm like anytime you're in a social space with something that you nerd out about like. You, you know, you're going to want to share that in whatever way comes naturally. But I don't think, um, especially um, since you kind of, that was kind of like earlier in our conversation about like the, especially like white guy tech bro phenomenon. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like those spaces tend to be dominated more in the technical aspects rather than like asking, you know, what are you excited about? What, what are you curious about? What, uh, you know, what do you keep coming back to in your work or, or something to that effect, right? Yeah. And, like, again, person-centered versus, like, 
oh, look at this here, bro. Like, this is great. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, like, there is a lot of cool photography gear out there. And, you know, if money were not a limitation, like, I, I'm sure some of those things I would explore in more detail as well. But I, I think, again, like, there's kind of a difference between using your technical knowledge to connect and support other people versus like trying to make yourself superior. And, um, one, another shout out. One person I think of is a great example of like, um, he goes by, uh, Jamie Maldonado who's based in Texas as well. I love Jamie. He's an encyclopedia of knowledge, like literally knows all of this stuff about developing, about, uh, you know, has worked with every film, every camera, has a fantastic, super knowledgeable YouTube channel. But in all of the conversations I've had with him in the year or so that I've known him, I've never felt belittled. I've never felt like any dumb question, you know, like or beginner question or whatever. I've never felt um, like less than in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And it's always come from a place of like sharing knowledge to, you know, just from a, a, a purely positive and genuine space. And um, so I, I think it is possible to use your knowledge in a way that, uh, or share your knowledge in a way that is community centered versus, you know, I'm just using it to kind of gather my likes, gather my dollars, like get yeah. the hype, you know, get, gather, gather my like model portraits, like, you know, baseball cards and like, who's the hottest person so that I'm like photographing, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you, you can tell when you, when you give enough time and space with somebody or you kind of notice how they engage on their platforms, you can real recognize is real, you know, as they say, and you can kind of tell when people are genuine versus when they're just trying to take up. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, someone in the comments right here cries and Hasselblad. Like I, <clears throat> I find that kind of hilarious because those people you were just talking about <laughs> would be crying in like Hazelblad or like Leica or something like that. Um, but I, I do see a lot of Leica folks on the street in Chicago. And uh, again, I, I don't want to like, it's easy to talk shit on dudes with cameras. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's a monolith necessarily. Like I said, I've met a lot of great dudes with cameras. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I, uh, but it, I, sometimes I feel, I'll just kind of watch them work. And, you know, some people you could tell that just like a rich person that wanted the next new thing in terms of like how they approach it. Like, are you mindful of boundaries? Like, how do you approach other people? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, al I'm always mindful. Like, a lot of my photography, I guess, falls under the genre of street photography, mostly outside, which is kind of typical Polaroid stuff if you don't have like a studio set up. Um, you know, are you mindful of people? boundaries like if somebody's upset and you, you like are you kind of breaking their space are you checking you know the all the things that i feel like if, if you if you're mindful about how you approach your craft and your work like you think about those things Absolutely. um versus somebody who's just oh i've got the like and click 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 you know and they're not necessarily taking that moment of pause to think about you know, what is the purpose? What is the impact of me being in a space? 
So analog villain here says that you should talk shit about them. That's what they tune in for. And Casey's energy and vibes, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Listen, I could talk shit all day. Spill the tea. If I'm comfortable, like I can, you know, I could definitely get in gross mode. But like, like, like I said, I think there is a difference between, you know, like I, I don't think just because you know a lot about photography doesn't necessarily mean that you're an asshole that I'm not going to. No, like it, it, it all depends on like how you carry yourself and how you engage with other people. Cause like there are a lot of like bros out there that are just like shameful human beings that, you know, don't probably shouldn't be like doing social interactions. Um, but then also there's a ton of people that shoot it that are like amazing, wonderful people that make beautiful work. And, you know, I honestly didn't understand the whole Leica appeal until I used one for a while and then I was really angry about it because I was like it's a nice piece of machinery like for street photography especially like I was like I see the appeal of this um, but it has a weird stigma around it because you know a guy with camera all, all that kind of stuff um, but it, it really depends on like how you how you carry yourself and how you interact like you know people like Jamie are like actually like absolute treasures and um for the most part i've come across more people that are like open to sharing and um, i have to circle i have to circle back to something that um you brought up earlier i have to defend policon just a just a lot not a ton i'm not i I hope to attend one i'm just saying um, like from an outsider view that was initial that was my initial read yeah but i also follow a lot of the people so, and, and enjoy the art that a lot of the people who attend Colicon. It is so it is pretty saying, white, but not I'm only no just white men. <laughs> I, so it, it is pretty white, but not only white men. There's a lot of white women there as well too. Um, you know, minorities could definitely be better represented in it, but the Policon community has been one of the most open and welcoming and sharing communities that I've come across um, in all of the photography communities I've, I've found so far. Um, you know, it's, Policon is like church for me. Um, so I'm like, I've been bummed out. I haven't been able to go for a while. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting down this year because it'll be the first time I've been down to Denton since 2019. Um, and it's, yeah, is so, well, it is in Texas. And so Texas is pretty fucking white too. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but, it's a great community and don't let that sort of like outside observation kind of like uh, freak you out a bit. And then the Bay area one, um, I saw some of those reels too from like the Brooklyn film camera peeps and like all that kind of stuff. And um, that's not like a full snapshot of like what Policon Bay area was. I was there for the first one in 2020 and it was fucking amazing. There was a really good diverse crowd at the Bay area one. Um, the zines and things thing there was like awesome Brian Brooks and the rest of the team that like puts the stuff together for the Bay Area are amazing uh, folks and um, you know it's it's a really open and welcoming community um, unlike some other places that I've come across where you know it's just a bunch of like white guys that want to like jerk off about gear which is (laughs) so boring like that's just not fun like there's one in Toronto that me and a friend we went to go to this photo walk and like we rolled up there and we were like the only non-colored people there <laughs> out of like 40 people there was like 
us and then like I think like three or four women. And so it was like when we walked up and saw that, we were just like, hey, you want to like go somewhere else? And we we're like, yeah, let's go somewhere else. And we just like turned and like walked away from the crowd because like we just, we, you could already hear like the gear murmur as you were like walking up to it. And it's just like, nah, I can't handle like a, an hour to this. Yeah. I think it's also important, right? When you talk about like safety and spaces, like who are you asking? Right. Yeah. Because like, I'm sure my experience as a white woman, like being in Holocon space, I remember I like, I, I had um, one of my friends who lives in, in the Bay area who uh, inherited a Polaroid from um, her family uh, and was like, Oh, you should check this out. And uh, you know, is a, a woman of color and was like, this was very like, and not, you know, a, a, a regular photographer by any means, but I, I remember like the conversation afterwards, like, like, yeah, I met some cool people, but like, you know, it's also, it's like, who are you, who are you centering and who's experience? Like when you talk about like feeling comfortable in a space and that's mm-hmm. just more broadly, right? Like, um, just because a, a space is diverse does not mean it's inclusive or intentional. And that yeah. goes from everything about like the booths that are set up, like the cost, um, you know, like who is, who are, who's featured in the reels. Like there's all these different yeah. like components of that. And so like, I, you know, I, I, I would not be like thinking about myself so much when asking like, is a space really, inclusive or not and Mm -hmm. i you know i would trust other people with you know with different marginalized identities and intersectional identities to like you know especially folks who are non-white to be like you know and and on the the flip of that too more than myself on on the flip of that too is someone that's like had to like put together events and like you know do their best to be mindful about everything there are people out there who have a bias going into anything that they're going to do and regardless of like people's best intentions or best efforts to like accommodate everyone that they can, um, those people are just not satisfied and just sort of like stamp that whole event is like an awful kind of thing. Um, so like that's another thing that's tough when people are putting events on is that, you know, even with best efforts, there's just still people that like won't be happy and will smear that event and those people. Yeah, and I mean, there's always, I think there's always an opportunity. Uh, I mean, like I said, I haven't attended Polycon specifically, so I can't speak to that. Um, you know, um, but it also, it, it, it takes time to, if a, if a space has been historically homogenous mm-hmm. for, for that community trust to feel authentic. I work in a charter school that has gone through a lot of changes and that could be a whole nother conversation yeah. uh, about the nuances of that. And this is a, you know, in terms of like mission statements and objectives and data dives, all that stuff, it's like, you know, uh, the students that I serve are, are predominantly, um, you know, uh, black and brown youth of Chicago, low income, you know, um, and like a lot of the mission statements are like, we are we are committed to anti-racism, but like also, um, they have been in a process of rebranding for years, uh, and there's still a, a sense of mistrust and mm-hmm. trauma that was inflicted on students, alumni, communities, and like, you know, 
um, it takes time. It's like, you know, so if, if someone comes away from an event feeling dissatisfied, like, you know, I, I, I would use that as like a, a prompting for, you know, deeper conversations. Right. Cause like, I mean, people, someone could be really nice and really well-intentioned and still be racist and yeah, still say problematic things and think that they're being a community member. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, there's levels to it, of course. And like, yeah. um, right. Like any, any sort of, uh, you know, uh, work that's combating white supremacy and oppression and different and exclusion is, is a long process and requires a lot of like, you know, time, patience and intentionality. And, you know, um, I, I think that's true in film spaces as well. Like I think about the uh, movement with, I think it was, uh, I, I, I haven't followed her as long. Girl with too many cameras, I think, boy was one of the ones bringing up with like Kodak yeah. sharing a lot of like male photographers. I mean, it's like it doesn't have to be, you know, um, like a, a situation of harassment uh, that leads to that sort of uh, we need to do right by our community and and really do more like that that is constantly evolving work and that's not gonna stop you know um even if if analog film continues to thrive right like these are continual conversations and individual reflections but also like communal reflections um that need to keep happening exactly yeah like it's um sad that racism is still such a big thing um, you know, when, when you're talking about like, you know, your, your place's mission statement being like anti-racist, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff like weirds me out a little bit because it's like, if you have to say you're being anti-racist, then you obviously have like a huge problem with racism and you're like, oh my God, how do we fix it? And it's like, it's not that hard of a problem. White people just have to be uncomfortable for a while and yeah. No one wants to make white people <laughs> uncomfortable. So it's like, oh, man, this racism issue is tough, but how can we fix it without discomforting the white folks? Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's mirrored in, in art spaces, education, yeah. you know, any, any space you're, you're looking in, that's going to be the case. And Well, as you, um, even like the studio space that I'm in right now, so like... Um, this is it's an old motel that was converted into an artist's lodge at the start of the year. And um, there's like 70 odd units here or something. And their mission statement was to provide space for marginalized BIPOC, LGDP, uh, LGBTQ um, plus uh, artists and like have a big focus on that, like especially like the cultural diversity. Um, there's like maybe... 10 people of color in all of the studios <laughs> like I'm yeah. that, might, that might even be too many um may, maybe I don't know there's like six I can think of off the top of my head out of like 70 units and so it's like you know we talk amongst each other we're like so wh- where's the cultural diversity again because like pretty fucking white up in here um and it's yeah. also you you, you you, I feel like you really can't have uh, those conversations without talking about class slash income as well. Oh, you know, there's like that I, too. There's a lot of rich white people in here that are renting artist spaces. 
too. Like, yeah. You know, and, and I know I'm part of yeah, that problem it, because it, like it's I'm intentional. Well, yeah. And I, I know that like, I'm also a bit of that part of that problem too, because like, you know, I am a person of color, but I also have a job that affords me to be able to like get this space and like use it just as like a hobby kind of thing instead of using it for work. Um, like some people here like use these spaces to like make work so that they can make their living. Um, this is so like I can get away from my living and like do something that makes me feel like whole about life and like not hate my life in general. So it's like, you know, I get that like I have a very privileged approach to, like, you know, what I have here. Um, so it's interesting for me to like navigate the conversations that I have with like my like other sort of inhabitants here of this space. And um, it's been a real interesting learning experience these, these last few months. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and interrogating the, you know, studio spaces and that, and that dynamic. But I also think too, like money talks, right. And money matters. And I think a lot, I've had like private conversations with folks about, and I'll, I'll, you know, center Polaroid in this. Like I've heard a lot of stories of like, you know, people, you know, they, they, they feature, uh, work on, you know, their, their photo boxes, their website, the people, the artists they're featuring are not getting paid. I don't even think half the time they're getting free films. No. Um, why is that the case? You know? And it's like, but it, I, it, it's like using artists of color as like a trend, you know, or to be edgy, but then it's like, you're not paying them. You're, you know, exposure is bullshit. Like pay your artists, period, you know? And like, I get that Polaroid is a small company and, you know, that they might not be able to do some of the, you know, uh, programming or, or wide reaching things that companies with a bigger bank can do. But I don't think that's necessarily an excuse. There are ways to be intentional about community building. It's like they used to, you know, share community photos every Friday uh, on their Instagram. And mm-hmm. that's, and I watched their page closely um, and they haven't done that in, you know, months, you know, and that doesn't cost anything either. I mean, no, you know, it's like, it's like little things, consistency, consistency, intentionality, and like, what is your priority, right? It's like, I love the Polaroid Go, and I'm happy to talk about that more, right? But a lot of their promo lately has been like, Polaroid Go sales, accessories and stuff. And that's just cool. Like, I bought some of it, but it's like again, like, what is your focus? Is it community or is it profit? And, you know, well, uh, their focus is profit because like they are after all a for-profit company. So at at the end of the day, they have to do things that are going to make the company money so they can continue to exist. Um, they're extremely small. Like I think globally it's like maybe 30 people work for Polaroid. It's, it's a very, very small company. Um, right. And they like, as much money as they make, it does also cost a lot of money to run the factory and like all those kinds of things. And like, I'm not coming to their defense of like, you know, should they be doing more for the community? Absolutely. They should. And like Polaroid of past had a very, very rich history of working extremely close with artists, not only like having some of them on payroll, but also like, you know, the ones that weren't on payroll, they were provided with like free film, free gear to create art. Um, but that was a byproduct of the fact that they made a shit ton of money during the war. Um, 
And that's like a bit of a dark history that some people don't appreciate when they learn about it is that like a lot of the innovation, a lot of the things that Polaroid was able to do was because they made a lot of money during wartime. And then were able to like flip that and make even more money with that when they developed the SX-70 and like, you know, other films and things like that. But the thing that was cool with like Polaroid of that time is they took those proceeds and like gave back to the world and, you know, encourage artists, paid artists, helped artists to create things. And it would be cool to see new Polaroid get to a point where they could do that. Um, but they're still trying to figure out how to just like even exist. Like that, that was like even a thing where people were upset about the go because um, there's all those internet rumors that like the go killed spectra and that it was either spectra or make the go film. And, um, I love Spectra. It was a great format. It was really cool. But honestly... I never got to shoot it. Uh, well, it bummed me out. No, don't be bummed out by it. Because, like, honestly, as much as I love Spectra, I fucking hated it so much. Because mm. it, when it worked, it was amazing. It didn't work, like, 80% of the time. Like, the cameras yeah. would jam or, like, you know, it would be, like, janky or... Just like something would always go wrong with Spectra, and I like I tried to love it and I tried to support it for so long, and then eventually it was like, good, just fucking kill it, like you know, get rid of it. it's a distraction, um, like make something that will make you guys more money so you could build other cool shit for us. Um, so that's sort of like my long term hope with Polaroid is that they're able to continue and grow to a point where. They, they have resources to give back more to the community because um, they kind of suck at it right now a lot. I And I love Polaroid. Listen, yeah. I'm like, they're, I want them to survive. Me I too. think it is a personal point of pride that I've had. I've been able to, I even just in the limited time that I've been shooting Polaroid, I've had three different friends buy Polaroid cameras and say, like, you're having so much fun with it. And I bought one too. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man, like, yeah. let's go, you know, um, but we can critique the things we love and push them to be better, if that, you know, I, I, it's like a both and, right, like, mm-hmm. I recognize they have limitations, and they're small, and, you know, they're, they're humans behind the cameras and the screens, and there are things that would be relatively low lift that I think would make a lot of people that care a lot about Polaroid feel seen and valued and respected and you know sending every time you you feature someone on your main page sending them a box of film as a thank you or a 50 dollar coupon or something you can do that yeah small team or not right it's like it's intentionality and it's like you know um because yeah they're profit driven but if you are community centered you will make more money because people are realizing it's not just about aesthetics and, you know, trending things and, you know, the, the hottest fashion, you know, thing. Um, so, yeah, I love Polaroid. I think they have a lot of room to grow in terms of how they uh, engage on front-facing platforms. That's all. Yeah, and, I mean, that's a fair statement that I think could be applied to all of the film manufacturers like yeah you know, 100% uh, Lomo does a pretty good job for the most part but there's not a lot of comp when when you do things with them like it's cool to get like you know 
the recognition and things like that. But, um, uh, yeah. And then like Kodak does like whatever the fuck Kodak does. Um, Fuji, fuck them. <laughs> like, you know, it's absolute fuck Fuji so much. Like there, there's a company that gives zero fucks about their community whatsoever. Um, yeah. They're like the sadists of the film community. And we're all mm. like, you know, just whatever. We'll buy it from you, Fuji. Assholes. Anyways. <laughs> I think the I think the point of agreement here is, you know, that yeah, like intention intentionality and like listening to the people that buy and support you is mm-hmm. is important, right? It it is important, but um, um you know it's they're also like a for profit company, so don't expect too much. I guess would be the other thing too. Like you know, just taking it from like a realistic approach is like it would be nice to think that they would do more, and it would be cool to see them do more. But on the same token, like there are, I know that there are people there that want the companies to do better. Um, but then management happens. <laughs> and like, you know, you, you could probably see the same thing in, in your workplace. I've definitely seen it in some of my workplaces where it's like, you know, there are people with really great intentions that really want to make a difference. And then they get railroaded. And, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's tough to make a difference from, from the inside when um, there's not support for it. So, you know, I, I hope that, they can get over that. Um, but. I think education has a purpose and like speaking up and when you see something that could be better, not shutting up about it and yeah. like, be, you know, it like I, I will make no apologies for the causes that I care about, that I will keep talking about it. Even if, you know, pragmatism and oh the limitations or whatever, like, you know, to bring just very briefly, um, cause I don't want to, you know, I could talk just like I could talk, you know, the inner workings of schools for hours. I could talk politics forever, but it's like, you know, the loan forgiveness, right. Like is, is great, but also I'm like, it's not enough. Like, you know what I mean? No. It's like, and, and some people are like, be grateful. 10,000 is a lot, but it's like, I work with, students I, I just this morning I was working with a uh, student who is set up a GoFundMe to finish their senior year of college because you know some algorithm for FAFSA said that they make too much money and now like is struggling to be able to pay so like ten thousand dollars in loans is a drop in the bucket you know what I mean so well, it's like I don't care if I alienate people to like or or, or people like look at me saying like fuck this and think, Oh, like, well, she's just on, you know, uh, like, I don't, I, I, it's like a both and right. Like I understand that, you know, we work with systems that are slow to change, slow to move that are driven by capitalism. doesn't mean that I can't keep talking shit about it and say, Hey, we need to do better. You know, like I'm going to keep doing that. And if people are not about it, then they're not about it. You know? Well, now you just sound so. like a communist. <laughs> just how I am. So. <laughs> that that's real communist talk there. I'm I'm just fucking with you. Um, <laughs> the language around the uh, like student loan forgiveness. 
I don't really like it because like student loan forgiveness sounds like they're just going to like wipe out everyone's student loans, which they should do. Like just fucking, if, if you're going to do it, just like print more fucking money and just like eliminate that because the U S government had no problems bailing out industry, uh, bailing out the banks. Why not bail out your people? Like that, that's one thing I don't understand. It's like you bail out all these other things that just make the problem worse and then put uh-huh. more pressure on the people. And it, it's, you need the people to be alive and like, you know, being able to like subsist in, in this, this world so that everything keeps turning. So why not make it easier for them? Cause you're going to fucking do that shit for the, the big businesses anyways. It'll probably be less money to pay that shit out and have everyone just be sort of like zeroed in, in, in a good place. Um, so I, I think like yeah. debt forgiveness is like uh, like a, the wrong thing to use for it because they're only giving them ten grand, which is like what for some people probably just like interest payments. It's it's not even going to touch the principal of uh, their their student loans. So it's it's almost like more. And of a the administration fuck knows that that's been that know that that's been a push for you know especially from young people for a while. You know. Yeah. Um. I. <laughs> I mean, but there's so many, right? Like you could point to any uh, social justice issue, right? And you know, our the housing crisis, right? Like rent payments, uh, cost of you know secondary education, the changing of like free school lunches and meals that it has been in the con- like just how we approach COVID. Like every issue, it's like it, they're not people centered. It's profit-centered, no. and as long as that continues to be the case, people are going to suffer when they don't have to, and, you know, like, we well, have to keep talking about it. We have to keep being, like, we can't become desensitized to those things so that it's like, well, you know, that's just how things are, and then kind of go about your day. Like, I, I talk to my friends all the time, like, it's still, I mean, it's talking about the, like, you know, um, like homelessness, like I'm so upset when I see people, you know, like on the street and the same folks every day, like I'm never not thinking about that. Even if I'm not in a position in that moment to like help them, Mm -hmm. like I, I'm always going, coming away being like, why the fuck do we live in a, in a place where somebody is, is under the the highway? Like that's never not okay. And You know, well, so in, I, I just I wish in a lot of these in, in, in across these things that, you know, um, it, it's about if, if, if wellness and, and people having their basic needs met was a priority. That's just not the case. Well, it, it should it should be know? a priority. But the thing is, is not profitable. And, and so it's like it, it, it goes back to like the racism thing. Racism is easy to fix. Just stop being dicks to each other. Make white people uncomfortable. Make them face that shit and just, like, fucking stop it. Like, we we all know how to to just stop being dicks to each other. It's pretty simple, but it's so complicated. Homelessness is the same thing. It's like, oh, my God, how do we solve, like, the homeless issue? Give, Give people homes. Other countries have done it. They've looked at how much their social programs cost, and they looked at how much it is just to rent people who are unhoused homes and it was cheaper for them to like rent that and then the thing that happened most of the time is that now that those people had a place established where they could like live and like you know get their mail and feel safe 
they went out and like you know found jobs and now they're paying their own way so it's costing the, those governments even less money because those people now that they have some stability are able to go out and and fend for themselves um but homelessness is is a is a business now all these nonprofits that are out there trying to fix the homeless issue um, you know, all of the, the government money spent on like this machine to like, you know, end homelessness that in the decades I've been alive have not done shit really. Like all I've seen in, in like the last, like, you know, 40 years is that it's just gotten worse. And so it's like, how, how, how yeah. does it, how does it get? And then like drug addiction is, is a, a, a business now too. It's like, they don't want to fix these problems because as soon as they fix the problems, then those businesses cease to work. So they prolong those things. And that's just not, it, it's not healthy for it because it, it's not looking at it from a people side. It's looking at it from a business side. If we looked at it from the people side, it's like, okay, why are these people homeless? They're homeless because they don't have access to mental health resources. They don't have access to support resources they're using drugs, they become drug addicted because they don't have access to these resources. So they're self-medicating, they're trying to escape from it because like, fuck, if, if I was like out of my house, I would be trying to find any way to like just fucking blitz myself out so I don't have to like, you know, think about sleeping with like rats and shit like that. Like, you know, I would want to be just as like tuned out there and like, you know, being someone that, that struggles with mental health stuff, it's a very real reality in the back of my mind that like, you know, I'm one episode away from like having my whole life dissolve if, if that were to happen. Um, you know, same thing being like a person of color with mental health issues. Like the one thing that I get super terrified about being so open about like the mental health stuff I deal with is a concerned person having a wellness check done on me. Um, that's one thing that terrifies the shit out of me is like, you know, having cops come to check in on me and fix me with bullets like it's it's a terrifying thing to think about um yeah but we just need to be more people focused like why do cops go out to do wellness wellness checks you know they shouldn't that that should be like support workers something like that like we just need better access to like mental health resources just actually giving a shit about each other again and we could fix that but it, it's like it's gross hearing people talk about like yeah, Vancouver, we have a, a terrible issue in our downtown core. And I've just heard people call them like zombies and stuff like that. And I'm like, those are fucking human beings. You're not zombies. You know, that could be you. That could be me. That could be like your daughter yeah. or son or like whatever. Like, you know, there's people there who used to be millionaires and like had a fucking nervous breakdown or like had a divorce or something. And just like, you know, fucking couldn't couldn't deal with society anymore. And just empathy is in short supply, and it's it's I think com I think compassion fatigue when we're all trying to sell our labor yeah. for the you know paychecks to have our basic needs met. We have you know compartmentalizing is a coping strategy, but um, yeah, to Derek's point, like you know keep a workforce, but not. To make them comfortable or make them informed, you know, going to back to housing for a moment, like a lot of that has to do with zoning laws. If you were mm -hmm. to ask, you know, somebody, anybody on the streets of Chicago, like how do zoning laws work, you know, in terms of like 
and and the process of you know uh, appealing to your alder person and your mayor and working within the city to like push for uh, you know affordable housing and, and like it it the the information is deliberately difficult to access right and it it, mm. it takes a lot of community activism and intentional effort to educate the public so that they are not only voting with you know um and you know voting is important but that's just like one step obviously but you know it's like you withhold information and i think that's why like paying attention to you know the education space which there's a lot of i mean i i was born and raised in florida and florida's like a hotbed of shitty racist terrible ideas i thought that's where where, like mensa was headquartered um i swear swear, every every i feel like um florida has oh man i can talk so much about that but i mean just thinking about the the changes in education about how we talk about um our history like things that have happened and what what is what is allowed in schools versus you know what's prioritized what's funded you know that has a cumulative effect right because if people have time to think critically and have the resources you start to really realize like this shit's messed up and it doesn't have to continue to be that way just because it's always been that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, politics are frustrating and it's like, you know, I, I I don't trust anybody who says they're not political. Uh, Like I see that a lot (laughs) on like dating apps and stuff like, Oh, I'm apolitical. Nope. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> because right. you because you don't give a shit about me as a woman and any issues relating to me, and you certainly don't care about anybody else in your community hurting. Like it is, you know, like beyond inexcusable in 2022. I mean, it, it's beyond excusable for you know this pandemic even, right? But like especially. You know, we've lost over a million people in this country alone, and it's like you're not political. No, I don't. I, well, like that. <laughs> I don't. I think I have a counter to that. I think they are political. They just don't want to share what they're actually political about because they know it's probably oh, ugly. 100%. So it's like yeah. I'm not, it's not going to be like Trump 2020. I'm a pure blood. It'll be like apolitical because like I don't want to get into it until it's too late, and then you find out the real me after like you moved in and put your toothbrush next to mine. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, I love I, Ted Cruz. I, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah, um, but like, yeah, because they, I, I think there's that, there's a, there's a, a implicit understanding of like, you know, the people that I'm trying to link up with, you know, are emotionally and you know, <laughs> politically and, and all of that's intelligent, and once they sniff that you know, <laughs> your intentions aren't pure, then they're not going to want you. And no, you know, <laughs> it, it, absolutely. I don't want that. Well, it, go, going back to like some of the problems, like a lot of 
what we're facing now and what's been escalated over, over the last few decades um, has like deep roots in like deregulation and like regonomics with like the whole trickle down like bullshit and all of that um, where they took the leash off of capitalism and like before all of the deregulation and all of that like capitalism was closely tied to the success of like all of the people that belong to it. So if people were thriving, then capitalism was thriving because people were putting money into the system and like, you know, they were getting benefits back from it. But when they deregulated all that shit and allowed capitalism to just make unfettered amounts of money without giving a shit about the people that are inside of it, then we got to where we are now. And like, it's super fucked up when you look at during the pandemic we were all suffering, but all of these businesses recorded record profits. But then it's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, no, we can't give more to our employees because like we made 300% more money than we we're expecting to make. But like, where are we going to find this money to like give back to the people because we had to give it to the shareholders? Like, you know, it's, that that's where like all of this shit like went off the rocker. And then things like, you know, people looking at, at properties as like a for-profit thing. You know, it's, no, housing should be a right. It shouldn't be a profit center. You know, it it should just be like rents should be regulated and controlled and not fucking unreasonable. Like there's no reason why a shitty one bedroom apartment in Vancouver should be like three thousand dollars. When, Holy shit, you know, that's a lot oh, man. Well it, like the the average like one bedroom I think is like teetering around like twenty one hundred to twenty five hundred dollars right now and like a lot of people just get locked into like shitty apartments because they have cheap rent and then they're constantly fighting their landlord because their landlord wants them out so that they could like raise the rent so like the landlord is trying to find legitimate ways to kick out an otherwise good tenant just because they want to make more money because they're struggling with their own shit as well too and it's just like we could fix this just make it so that like people don't struggle with these things have some intervention about like you know like rent control things like that so that people don't have to like stress about living like we've done it a couple times here in Canada where the Ontario government before it went conservative ran a program on giving people a living wage where you know they had enough money to like pay for their place and just live and it was super successful. It was a great pilot. We even did it in the 50s in a, in a town in Saskatchewan for like nearly a decade. They gave everyone there a, a living wage. And they, mm-hmm. s- they did it in a depressed town that like had poor health, had high unemployment. There just was not a lot of productivity in this town. And once people had a guaranteed income and weren't stressing about like having a roof over the head or how they're going to eat or take care of their kids and stuff like that. They had the freedom to start building businesses, building their communities up and supporting each other because there wasn't this like doggy dog where there's like only a certain amount of jobs. So it's like, you know, fuck you, Bob, I'm going for this. Like, you know, I need this to like put food on my table. It was interesting to see how all that worked, but then, it was all conservative governments would come in and be like, oh, this is just a, a, a bane on the system and we need to like stop this because like, you know, it's it's dragging tax dollars down. It's like, no, ac- actually like it's it's affordable to take care of your people. 
it, it's cheaper than just giving them handouts that keep them trapped in a system. Like if you give them tools to get out of it, then everything's just going to be better. But it's just like, I guess that's too socialist or like communist of an idea for a lot of people to like stomach and be like, okay, yeah, everyone's deserving of being able to live a quality life. I feel like Chicago is, is better than, although, I mean, certainly there's a history of corruption in the city and there's a lot to be, you know, desired in terms of the political landscape. But I mean, I think socialist ideas are, are uh, more amenable here and have a history in the organizing in the Midwest uh, mm-hmm. than in other places. And, uh, it's, you know, I think there are five or six uh, democratic socialists on our city council out of 50, which like is not, you know, of course there would be more, but it's, I think there is a, conse- uh, a consensus that, you know, a growing uh, consensus that, you know, the community power and activism and, and changing all of these different things that you're mentioning uh, is a is a people movement that you know uh, is, is has an urgency that just can't be ignored. We yeah. can't keep going on the way that we have, and no. um, and I and I am also you know. Um, I mean, I, I, as a relatively new person to kind of bringing it back to art and photography, like, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, there's still room for Chicago to grow in terms of, like, gallery spaces and featuring up-and-coming artists and artists of color and young artists, like, in, you know, CPS. And I, I, I think, but I, I also think there are, and it's, like, there, there is good work happening and there is more growth that needs to happen in that space. And art is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think, you know, it, it, I wish I could go back in time because I went to a, a public, a large public high school in South Florida and like they had a dark room and I don't know if it was actively being used when I was a student there, but like it would have been very easy to set up like a photography club and like that wasn't a focus because it was all about STEM and about uh, AP classes. And I'm, I'm not knocking those things necessarily, but like art is important. And, you know, I, I also, you know, when we're dealing with crises, whether personal or, you know, uh, existential or, or, or things that are happening in the world, it's like, what do we turn to? Music, art? you know, television, film, which are all, you know, are different art forms. So it's like we have to put the money there. And that has to be organizing that's happening on the local level, but it's also the national level and, and pushing, um, you know, our government to prioritize, um, you know, like we have Pell Grants within college. Like, why don't we have art grants? Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like radically here, right? But like <laughs> changing how we conceptualize like photography. I mean, you mentioned about like wartime photography and like uh, artists being hired to document um, like during the depression and like dur- during, you know, uh, various conflicts and whatnot. It's like there, 
there's a lot of investigative photography and photojournalism that could be created, right? Like if there was more funding there. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying there isn't good work in that space already, but it's like it has to – we have to keep talking about and, and, and making action towards making that truly accessible and, and something that's valued. I'm tired of people saying, like, right, because we're all thinking of, like, the capitalist mindset and, like, paying our rent. It's like, oh, like, don't major in photography, you know, or don't major in an, in an art thing, you know, unless you're, like, really talented or have, like, a specific – and I say talented with quotes because it's like, you know, um, I think there are a lot of people that grow up in spaces where art is not valued, even though mm -hmm. they have a lot of potential to do to make amazing art. And don't pursue that, right? Versus like, in, so there's a lot of different factors to that. But like, I'm, I'm tired of people saying like, oh, like, I mean, I get it, right? It's like all the practical things that we're describing that like, it's it's hard to make a career with like an art degree in, in, to, in, to some extent compared to like engineering or tech or accounting or whatever. I'm not, you know, but if we want to see these changes long term, if we want to see, um, film continue to thrive into future generations we have to value it in ways that we haven't been and uh, and 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 more importantly like organizing and lobbying for those things um yeah i, I agree like art is so critical and like a, a big part of the problem is we've had a massive value shift over the the past like century um, like the U S government, for instance, at like, you know, way back in the day, like, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, things like that hired staff photographers that just drove around the U S to like photo document, like the state of the union so that they could like capture that for posterity to, uh, like look back on so they could learn like, you know, lessons learned, things like that. And stuff like that just doesn't really happen as, as much anymore. Um, values of like what you need to be and what you need to do to be considered like a successful, valuable person in, in our society have also shifted so much where, you know, people don't want to be blue collar. You know, people don't want to go into arts or, or like do these things that are sort of like admonished and looked look down compared to like, you know, doing more professional career oriented things. And it's just like, why, why did we have to celebrate that stuff? Like it, it, it makes no sense. Like it doesn't make you a more valuable person than someone else just because you spent four or five more years sitting in a school regurgitating stuff back and paying a bunch of money to be there. Like it gives you access to like get more money, but it kind of goes back to like everything should just be more affordable. Like if someone wants to be an artist, they that should be 100% acceptable and it should be an option for them to be able to like live off of not a lot of money if that's what they choose to do like you know living simply is is like nearly impossible now um because it's just so expensive to live and so it's like either people have to work mm -hmm. multiple jobs or you become like a wage slave in a career that you don't necessarily like um just so that you can like afford nice things or you just like 
rack up a bunch of credit and buy these nice things and <laughs> you end up being like a fucking slave to your like interest payments on your credit cards. I have no um, experience with that whatsoever. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I'm like, uh, oh. yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, I'm not talking <laughs> about myself here, <laughs> but it, it's, it, it, we shouldn't be living like, cause it's not really living at all. Cause you know, no. so, so many, like what I wonder all the time, like when I go into a Starbucks and I buy like, you know, my $5 latte, that's guaranteeing that I'm not going to be a success future in the world because I'm like throwing that money away in boomers eyes or whatever. I kind of like wonder like those people that are working there, if they had the option to like not have to like stress about their rent and and things like that, what would they be doing? What kind of ideas do they have that they could run with if if they were given the runway to, to go for it? Um, You know, people just everywhere, like doing jobs that you can obviously tell they don't want to do, but they have to do because it was what they were able to find. It was what they were able to get. You know, how much yeah. richness are we missing out on as a society because we're not supporting each other? Like I think about that all the time, all the time. And I definitely think that if our basic needs were met and housing was not a stressor and health insurance and, yes. gosh, I, I, you know, I... I, I I, I remember when um, during Ber- Bernie's campaigns, like that, one of his like talking points was like, you know, about how few Americans have more than four hundred dollars for an emergency. I'm like, that's fucking huge. Like, why are people like? And then people are like, oh yeah, whatever. Shut up, Bernie. If they're not like already supporting. And I'm like, Bill, that is like objectively terrifying. That we are yeah. all just on the precipice of despair, and we are all one or two bad bad circumstances or health crises away from being in true despair. And like, I, I just don't think that's, you know, I, I, again, it's like, we all have to kind of right to just like be sane, where like these systems are in place. And it's like, you know, even my, thinking of myself and my own mental health, like during the pandemic, like, and, and, and now it's before the pandemic, I don't know. I guess like, it's weird to talk about like before, after pandemic, because people are still getting COVID. I had it a couple months ago. A lot of my, you know, people in my community still have it, so it's like it's still very much like a, a thing that's impacting mm-hmm. people. But um, but just like you know, when you're at home and you're scrolling Twitter and you know you follow enough, you know, political accounts, you're just like, oh, here's another depressing thing. Here's another terrible thing. Here's another awful discrimination that like people aren't talking about or, or someone who was murdered or, you know, I mean, I, all the, you know, row returning is incredibly traumatic and triggering for so many people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's literally overwhelming. And I, I think a lot about like people who are dealing with anxiety and depression. It's like, I think that in a lot of ways that is a rational reaction to a very insane world that mm-hmm. we're living in and and art is I think for a lot of people is, is a form of salvation and just like life sustaining I know for me mm-hmm. like that uh, it, it, it's been huge for me I mean 
not great for me financially, right? But like <laughs> in terms of my like personal and, and fulfillment and just tapping into different parts of myself through what I'm capturing, I mean, I, I don't, I can't put a price on that. It's been huge for me, and I know it will continue to shape my life and. Um, it, there's something so precious about film, but whatever, whatever purpose, you know, or whatever subject that you're drawn to, um, th- there's something very precious about that. The community aspect, the preservation, I, I think for me, a lot of the, when I, I've been thinking about like why photography has been more of a recent thing, like I think about just like the memory and preservation of like, I don't have a great memory and like Alzheimer's runs in my family and, and, and heart stuff too. And it's like, you know, it's a very precious thing. Like the, that consciousness and memory and like in, in terms of the course of your life and photography and film is like an anchor to your life and your community. And like, I think about, you know, taking pictures of like restaurants that like were around me that, that no longer exist. Mm-hmm. Right, that were like communal spaces for a long time, or you know, um, like taking pictures of people who are no longer with us, right? And like there is a universe within a person, and like capturing them through a you know a portrait is such a gift in a moment of time, and there's something so special to that. Even like self portraiture, you know, like I. It sounds silly, but I, I love, like, taking photo booth pictures. I'm looking at, like, my desk, and <laughs> I like I can't resist a photo booth, okay? Like, I just, photo it's booths silly, are you awesome. know? It's like, I just take, uh, I mean, you know, they're what? just, they're goofy, whatever. But it's like, it's a snapshot of, like, where I was in a moment. And eventually I'm going to do some kind of, like, collage thing, you know, maybe, like, a mixed media thing to, like, you know, put them all together because I have dozens now. But, like. But it's like a snapshot of, you know, and usually it's like I will take that when I'm in a good space or I went to a really great concert. You know, Chicago has an amazing music scene, mm-hmm. and it's one of the reasons why I moved here. Um, but it's like capturing that moment in time um, is, is something so precious about film. And, and I, I follow a lot of folks who, like, you know, use analog film, whether Polaroid or, you know, medium format or, you know, whatever format they're using for, like, to take pictures of like their weddings or as their kid is growing up. And like all of those moments are extremely precious and worth capturing. And um, so there, there's just so much importance to art in the film. And I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. It, it sounds like it just came to you just now. No, I'm, fucking with you because <laughs> <laughs> well i might true. listen my my mind is like a constant like ping pong uh thing where you know it's uh, it's all it's not always like a, a linear connected to dots but um i but i you know i i and and speaking on the memory thing you know i i kind of in my friend groups that aren't photographers and like even my family kind of becoming like sort of the historian through film Mm -hmm. um in a small way like I think that is just as impactful as any number of like accomplishments 
present or future, like in terms of, you know, Instagram virality or, you know, books published or whatever. It's like, like holding that space to capture those moments and people and feelings of happiness, right? Like Mm -hmm. no one's happy all the time. Um, but, but capturing moments of pure joy, capturing vulnerability too. Like, I think there's a sense with Instagram in particular that like, it has to be glossy. It has to be happy. It has to be sleek. It has to be cool. And I feel like I've been with some of my work more recently, just in portrait work, self-portrait work, like picking up the camera when I'm angry, when I was just crying for a period of time because of something upsetting I read or thought about and like giving myself permission to like document and view as important, like all of my emotional state, you know, um, and thinking about how art can help us process these different traumas that we've been discussing. So, well, so on, on like the glossy thing, I think that's like a mindset that, many of us are guilty where Instagram didn't set out to say you needed to be this way. But we, because following other people just sort of like adopted this thing of like, you know, this is how it has to be for the grams. And so I, I would like to see something where instead of people complaining about like Instagram fucking dying or like not being whatever, you know, hating photographers, this, that, or whatever, people just like making Instagram, whatever they want it to be. Like, use it the way you want to. Who gives a shit about engagement or, like, things like that? Because if you start using it genuinely, you'll get a different kind of engagement. You'll get an engagement you weren't expecting to get. And you'll get, like, a really deep richness out of it. And that that's why, like, I'm still such a advocate for the platform right now is because mm-hmm. I've had a toxic relationship with it before. And, like, you know, I've had all those feelings where it's, like, I hate myself and, like, you know oh, like, this is just fucking dumb. Like, why bother? But then I realized that, like, I was doing that to myself by choice in the way that I was interacting with the platform. And by changing how I was interacting with the platform and my expectations of it and what my goal with it was, all of a sudden, all that toxicity disappeared. And, like all of the frustrations with it disappeared because I don't care about that shit. I care about being able to connect with people. So it's like, you know, make Instagram what you want it to be. If you want to share like, you know, raw, emotional, like empowered photos, do that. If you want to share like boring photos of like, you know, shuffleboards, things like that, like, you know, do that too. It's like do whatever feels right to you as long as you're not hurting, you know, other people or like, you know, um, Sure. Yeah, putting putting people in a bad place, but just like yeah, make it what you want. And on the like capturing memories thing, like that's that's a big driver for like my own photography. Is like my memory is terrible, especially after like this latest car accident. Um, so yeah. like photography is like a way for me to like remember, but um, also um, you know being someone that uh that deals with like you know mental illness and like suicidal ideation and like all that kind of stuff um i'm cognizant that like i have a war with myself and that you know one day um there's going to be a loser in that war and um so photography has really kind of become a way 
that like, you know, maybe I could leave something behind um, because it's given me something really, really amazing. Like, you know, through this medium and the communities inside of it, um, I've been able to meet so many interesting, wonderful people and then share all these like really great experiences that are fantastical. And, uh, you know, I don't believe that they happen to me half the time. And like, you know, I was the person that was there kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of like a way to like archive that stuff and, and yeah. leave, leave something behind, like, you know, like a fingerprint or whatever, or like to like commemorate places and people that are important to me, important to people I care about, um, you know, things like that. It's a very powerful medium. And, um, you know, if you can find your way to harness it and in what makes you feel good, um, then you should do that by any means. I think there's something really vulnerable in what you share too. the sense of like being my, like having the thought of like, what, what is my legacy? And like having that sense of like, even as I'm creating, I'm thinking about what happens after I no longer exist, you know? Um, yeah, there's, I feel like there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Cause I, I feel that too, you know, I'm like, and I, but I, it's, it's hard to separate because I think about like, even just what I share on my own Instagram and like in my stories and stuff and talking about mental health and talking about when I'm depressed or talking about things that are happening in the world and like, I, I think about and have also processed in like a therapeutic setting. Like I just want, like it's such a human innate need to be known and to be seen and to connect. And like, how do we, like how do we channel that desire to be seen and understood through our films and our art? Um, because that there's so much isolation, you know, in, mm -hmm. in a lot of like art in particular. Right. I mean, I speaking for myself, like most of the photography that I've done so far has been a solitary thing. And a lot of that was COVID, but also, you know, um, I, I spend a lot of time alone and there's a lot of beauty in that, but there's also a lot of pain in that and isolation and depression. And like, you know, it's like, it can be sort of a self, like, uh, like a, not self-fulfilling, but like sort of a, a, uh, a, self -perpetuating? a, a cycle that's hard to get, it's self-perpetuating and it's yeah. like, it's, it's very hard to get out of when you're in it. And I, a lot of what you're saying resonates. Um, but like being okay with like, just like you said, sharing what you want to share and being yourself and not being afraid or, or mindful, but it, it, it's really hard to completely filter that out. Like, and I think of yeah. myself as a confident person, you seem pretty self-assured at least, at least in, you know, the That's limited fine. sense of what I've seen in your, and how you present yourself in, in interviews. Right. Of course, like we're all complex and universes within ourselves. And often our inner talk is a lot meaner than like anything we share with other people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but like that, that's, 
sense of just wanting to be known and and understood and and also the sense of like and I think about this too like if I don't share my photography on Instagram like or or on any sort of platform like a part of me will die with me if I don't share it you know what I mean like it's like that's a whole part of my psyche and my thought process and my values that's being channeled through what I'm creating that like if I'm not share like, and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong right but I think that's just my own anxiety of like mm-hmm. how many people really know me and I like I, I just the older I get I don't want I have no desire to be mysterious or to be like <laughs> <laughs> you know like to be like ooh this cool artist or, like I I'd rather overshare a little bit if it's going to encourage somebody else to open up and reflect or like share back I'd rather like lean heavily into like let's share, let's connect, let's bond. Like if you're open to that, then to sort of be closed off and seem aloof just to, to be cool. Because like the, everybody has those moments of insecurity. Like I don't care what you look like or how privileged you are or what your background is from or how much experience with photography you've had. Like we've all had those internal struggles and it doesn't help anybody to just keep that locked in, inside and never talk about it. No, not at all. Like, yeah, we all have those like inner demons and gremlins that, you know, tell us we suck and nobody likes us. Um, which I mean, like for some people, probably not wrong. Um, but for a lot of us, it, it's just bullshit. And like, you know, don't listen to the gremlin. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard finding ways to like sort of manage that and like mask that and figure out how, to present yourself in in this world that that we're that we're part of because there's a lot that we have to manage that's just it's not healthy for like our mental health or um you know to be um i don't even i don't even want to say successful but like just like fruitful human beings where it's like you know we feel contentment and have room for like joy and yeah for a long time I believed that like happiness was like a destination you know I thought because I was like always so sad I was like you know the right chemical cocktail or like enough counseling and therapy or like this and then just like I'll be happy and that was the biggest lie I've ever told myself for for the longest time um because you know through all of that therapy and, and and whatnot I realize that like happiness is like it's around us all the time. Like there's there's opportunities for like happiness and joy around us constantly, even in like the darkest moments. And it's really up to us if like if if we can see that and and capture that in in those moments and like sit with that joy and happiness even in in our darkest times. Um and it, it's just like finding a way to be like receptive to happiness and um yeah and in like sharing that it's with what you're choosing too. to see yeah that's, it's what it, that's exactly it's what it. you're observing what you're paying attention to 100%. Yeah. you know it's a, you can you can filter it absolutely and just see like the worst and everything and like be like uh, everything sucks and like i hate everything and I, I get those moments like all the time like you know it's it's but then i like kind of reframe it where it's less like 
yeah, but I've been able to do like all this cool shit. Like to, I get to talk to you tonight and like learn about you and have this like really great engaging conversation. And, um, you know, that's, that's a thing of joy and we get to share this moment with, you know, probably a few dozen people and whoever else listens to the podcast later. And like, that's also a cool thing too. Um, but I could also could have been like, oh, well now I got to spend like fucking two hours talking to a stranger on the internet and like, you know, fucking <laughs> just like go home and like, you know, smoke a joint and like pass out and like watch <laughs> Netflix or whatever. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's like, nothing wrong. listen, there's nothing wrong with, with, uh, with that. It's, it's more, um, I, I don't think any of my <laughs> former students are listening in. I have made some very fun art under the influence it, because your, uh, <laughs> your sense, I, I, you know, I think I shared uh, a while back, like the, you know, one of my quote unquote most shared photos from my Instagram ever was something I picked, I picked up a camera when I was like, after I had an edible and I was just like playing around with double exposures and like, it just it was just, it was play. It was just play. It was like, like just pure fun. And like, I think that like making space just for fun and it doesn't necessarily right, like involve substances of course, but just like there's something about sometimes that just is like a, a means or a tool that, that people can use to get into that more like present, playful, curious state of mind that leads to mm-hmm. really great ideas and projects um, and reframes of like your own art and vision. Well, and I think like you, you hit an interesting thing there. Um, play. It's something that like so many of us have, have like forgotten is that like the importance of just like being silly and playing and not being so serious all the fucking time. And yeah, you know, just being kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I think we need more of that to like, just like be healthier people um, to have like a healthier society, you know, good for the colon um yes (laughs) (laughs) i am so delighted by like wholesome trends like that you know like i i I just yeah i eat that stuff up i just anything that brings joy no matter how like silly it is uh, like you know i don't care how old i am uh, if something's cute or wholesome, like I, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a company that I follow on TikTok, this like uh, soap company. And it's just like this, you know, older gentleman, probably like in his sixties, like, hello there, I'm so-and-so and here's my soap. And I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck yeah, man. Keep that positivity going. Keep the silly, like, you know, it's, with like corny jokes. There's like, you know, I just, I, yeah, I love that kind of energy, and I, yeah. I think allowing that sense of play and, and wholesomeness like is is really delightful to bring into art. It it absolutely is. Um, we need to have more of it, more more play and more silliness. Um, and I, I think that's that's like a fun note to cap off our conversation with. Is um, totally. Yeah, you know, we went through some heavy stuff there. Um, <laughs> 
and I appreciate that's that. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> no, but like so. I'm like intense and silly at the same time. Like my <laughs> Instagram feed is like support support reproductive rights. Oh, look at this little puppy like hugging his cat, and it's just like you know it's. Just, both and all the time, silly and serious. You know, you gotta have a little bit of everything. <laughs> but yeah, like I that that's what I like about like the the format that I, I've kind of come up with here with with all of this is, and, and you mentioned it earlier, where it's like you want to know more about the photographer and like you know what motivates them and what drives them and what interests them and stuff, and and that's what I want to know when um, I'm talking to people here is like. You know, not just like, oh, you use Polaroid and like, you know, oh, you use an SX-70 so we can definitely continue talking because like you, you are using a um, elitist Polaroid, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I, I don't really care about yeah. that. I'd just be as happy talking to someone that only shoots on disposable cameras or someone that like, you know, bought a shitty digital camera from Salvation Army and makes like cool lo-fi stuff. It, it's more about like totally. learning about people and their convictions because that shows up in in the art that we create and and you can see that um and i i think like people with like really interesting strong convictions that that have like a genuineness and honestness about them that really transfers into their work and and you can see it and you can feel that in in their work too so you know i i really i appreciate you you know getting deep with me here here today it was a lot of fun thank you so much this was great i i love this conversation i really appreciate you making the time and just like having me on just from kind of you know sort of being uh an engaged participant in other conversations that was a really cool connection i'm glad i could be here and to everybody who tuned in to you know, hear, hear us talk and hear me rant about all these things. Thank you. I, I wasn't watching the comment section of a ton, but like what I saw, like just a lot of friends and people that I've had different interactions with either on social media or in person. And it's just, it's like, I just, I'm, I feel very appreciative. Like I'm just very appreciative and feel like just all the good energy from that. And I, I it means a lot. So thanks for being here. Agreed. And thank you for sharing some time with me today. You know, it's, um, you could have done a lot of other things with your evening, but um, you came <laughs> here instead. So, you know, I. Happy I, I could be here. Thank you so much. Let me let thank Mr. You. Mocha walk us out here. Um, next week, I'm going Walking to. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Next week, we're going to have Bill Manning on with us, uh, Studio C41. Um, really curious to see him on. Uh, I've followed him on the grams for a while, and I, I dig his stuff. And I uh, you know, thought it'd be cool to have him on. So uh, tune in next week for that. All right. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for hanging out with us, and thank you so much for being here. And you know, stay safe out there, and just don't be a dick to each other. Thank. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Take care, Casey. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. bye. bye.